Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Montgomery entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Carl Cox. He's a strategic consultant that navigates organizations to success. He's a CEO of 40 Strategy, where they help organizations with strategic planning in order to support their teams with proven practices and facilitation skills that extract the best thinking. Carl, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Amy. It's a privilege and honor to be on. How did you become a strategic consultant and how did you establish 40 Strategy? It wasn't, it's funny, the irony, it wasn't the grand plan. My plan was not to be a strategic coach, planning consultant. I, most of my experience is actually within companies. I had the privilege of being with multiple companies in a C-level role that grew 3X or more while I was there. And, and I, Amy, I had this weird experience where I thought this was normal. I thought it was normal to triple in size. I thought it was normal to do that when I opened up the U.S. office for a strategic planning software company. And I had this great experience and I saw a few companies do strategy really right. And I saw most people not do it really right at all. They actually really struggle with it. And the kind of equivalent is it's like some people were buying our software, like a pellet, they'd buy a Peloton bike, hoping that all of a sudden they'd start doing exercise. And the reality is like for the Johnson and Johnson's of the world who are already really good at strategy, it was a great tool for them. But those who are like trying to learn strategy they struggled with it because they didn't actually have the habit of good strategic planning execution. What happened was, is I, I was seeing the problem with some of our clients and so I started giving them advice, just from my own practical experience and all the learning we had of learning with, you know, when you could see hundreds of people's strategies and execution, you learn a lot. And, and so I was with a client down in Phoenix and two hours in the conversation, they pulled me aside and they said, you know, Carl, would have, we would have paid you 10 grand just for that last two hours. And I remember turning over to the person I was with and I said, I, you know, I think I'm in the wrong business. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't be doing this. And so ultimately the CEO at Australia, he asked me, I said, would you like to run our global consulting unit? And it was a tough decision, but I politely declined and just started to open up 40 strategy. And so you already described what 40 strategy is. The 40 is about two things. Most companies only spend about 40 hours per year on strategic planning. And so that's 2%. Our theory is, is that because they only spend 2%, they don't get great at it. And that's really true. Only 10% of organizations get two thirds of their strategic objectives done. That's a pretty bad number. But what we do is try to get people to that level or higher. And, and the other part of the 40 is the concept of it typically, you know, whether it be the 40 days or 40 years of struggle, you know, you, you could, you know, kind of historically in different precedents, usually people don't have success overnight. It's a process. It's a challenge. And that's where the 40 strategy comes to. The secondary reason is that, you know, if people are coming in for a quick fix, we can get it pretty quickly, but it's going to be some work, right? And you're going to have to change some habits to actually get better results in the end. Yeah. What are some of the top struggles that organizations are facing when they try to establish a corporate strategy? Time. Number one reason is time. They're caught in the storm of their business. They're in their business so much serving their customers, dealing with supply chain issues, dealing with COVID, uh, the great recession, you know, right? The great resignation, they're having people leave and um, they're struggling in the business. The problem is they're not aware of what's happening outside, right? And, and even if somebody's successful, next thing they can know, there could be a change and they're not ready for it. Working on the business is a whole different thing than working in the business. And we try to get people, we pull them out of the storm 
get out of that, you know, kind of take a kind of meteorology, you look at the radar, the big picture and go, hey, do we want to continue being in the storm or do we want to get ourselves to a better place? And, and so that's who we work with. We work with those CEOs who really care about that. We can help get them to that next place. But yeah, time is the number one reason why people don't do strategy. What is your three to four disciplines for execution? Well, it's interesting. I've got a few back here that up on the board that for those who can see it, one of the key things that people do is they do too much when they do strategy. So I love it because we don't deal with slackers. Anybody who's a CEO is a high performer, right? At some point in the career, they've been killing it. And even today, they may be killing it with what they do. But uh, when it comes to strategy, there's this, for whatever reason, I think it could do everything. And there's a common rule, actually, of you should really stick to three things or less for any one time period. And so that's the hardest thing is getting organizations to focus on what's the most important that's going to really move the dial the most and get them to be doing those things that's going to get towards it. So that's a key discipline. Uh, this is kind of a funny one. Only 20% of companies start their projects on time. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you gave me that like, what? And the why is because they're not ready. People are not bought in. Only 20% of, of the regular organization are going to fight against you when it comes to strategic plan execution. 51% of the managers are going to try to fight it. The people who actually need to make the changes the most who are going to be a part of the implementation don't want to change because they just see it as more work. Yeah. They like have a process and they're like, hey, we're good. You know, everything's fine. And so getting buy-in is another key part that we have to do. Then the next part we talked about is, I didn't mention is, I think we want to talk about a little later, but is what are they measuring with it? And so you need to have a measurement system to help make sure it's being tracked. Because when you've left, when you have the fear of actually leaving and you doing something new for the first time, and you have this fear of failure, that's why another reason why people don't want to start. We have to make sure we're measuring along the way to make sure people are feeling confident that we're actually getting to our next destination. When you say focus on the leading indicators and not the outcomes, what do you mean? If you, once again, kind of imagine you have a journey, right? And, and we're trying to get to there. And let's say you're in a boat, right? And a lot of times people are just focus on the end result. Let's say it's increasing sales. Hey, we want to increase sales 20%. And so go, hey, we want to increase it 20%. We want to increase it 20%. We want to increase it 20%. But they actually don't focus on what, actions that they can control to increase sales by 20%. What we try to do is then have them focus on those activities. So if you can imagine rowing a boat and having your oars in the water, we want to make sure the oars are actually in the water and pushing in the right direction. And we're measuring those strokes, so to speak. We're measuring how many times the oars are going in the water. Those are the leading indicators. The interesting part is sometimes the leading indicators are super easy to track. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're very, very difficult to track uh, because it's not in their core systems. For example, I was working with a charter school one time and I asked them, what's your most important KPI? And they said, well, it's number of students. They were a charter school. I said, okay, that makes sense. Number of students. Well, how do you measure? How do you know that you're doing better and you're proving this? I said, well, we measure the number of students. I was like, okay, well, how do you know it's changed? Well, we measure the number of students. So it was like the circular argument and I couldn't Change. I said, well, how do you know you've done something? You, it's going to tell you in advance that it's going to be more students. Say, oh, the number of applications. I said, that's good, but do you control the experience of the application? And they're like, no. Okay, we went further. And finally, the superintendent, he like his eyes got bright. He said, oh, I know what it is. It's the campus tour. The campus tour is the most important thing. When they come onto campus and they experience what we have and we can deliver, 
and our educational experience and the culture that we have, we know they're going to end up joining us. And I asked an important question. Are you measuring campus tours? What do you think the answer was? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, they weren't. It was, and so what's interesting is the most important indicator of success was not being tracked. That's an example of focusing on these leading indicators that's really going to have the outcome in this case for increasing your number of students. How can you improve that campus tour? It's world-class. Everybody wants to be on that going to that charter school. And so that's an example of, once again, focusing on the leading indicators versus the lagging indicators. So let's talk about um, organizations that have multiple projects. We talked a little bit about this prior to the podcast. Let's say you've got hundreds and you also have equal amount of resources that are focusing on all these projects. When is it time to scale back and focus and why would you do that? Yeah, I mentioned this uh, beforehand for a second, and uh, it's funny, I don't have the book up immediately. There's a book called The Four Disciplines of Execution. Covey Group wrote this, and he's one of the authors of it, Sean Covey. And what they identified was anytime an organization does more than three priorities at one time, you end up failing Mm. in terms of quality, in terms of uh, getting it done on time. Uh, Is it going to be rushed? You know, all these different parts are there's a failure. Matter of fact, the more and more that happens, I don't want to mention the name on air who they are. If we were privately not being this big courted, I'd be able to share it. But there was a large multinational company we're working with, and they had 400 projects that they were working on. And even that number is a, a little bit different to what it actually was, but it's, it's actually larger than that. And I asked them, how many project managers did they have to manage 400 projects? So, Amy, I'm going to ask you, if you saw a company and they had 400 projects, how many project managers do you think they would have to be able to manage those? Yeah, it would probably be the equal amount, right? See, that's the right answer. But most people don't think of that they can afford 400 project managers. They're like, how can I afford 400 project managers? I've only got, you know, 10 people to work on this or 20 people work on that. Well, that was their reality. They had a one-to-one relationship that there was one individual project manager work on one individual thing. Then people get scared about it. They say it's too much. It costs too much. And the secondary, they fight against it. They're like, well, I want to do more than just 400. And what I try to explain them is the realities are getting way done more than 400 done per year, because as soon as they're done with one, they move on to the next project. They have this constant flow of 400 active project managers working on concurrent projects at the same time versus a lot of companies will have 400 and they'll only perhaps resource 20 to 25 project managers, or maybe 40 project managers, a 10 to one ratio, they're not getting those done well, right? Those are falling behind. They're not on track. There's lack of success and they aren't doing what it takes to actually get it done. That's what we have to do. We have to peel it back. Another thing to do to peel it back is you have to prioritize what's going to have the greatest difference and have the greatest outcome chance. You know, not all things are equal. And so, you know, being strategic means how do we work in the things that are going to have the greatest bang for our buck, so to speak. And so with that, we do some analysis of, hey, let's line up all of your projects. What's the greatest likelihood of outcome and how big of an impact it'll have. And then you basically get a formula where people say, hey, here's our top 10. Let's focus on these top 10 where we have 10 project managers. And as soon as those get done, we'll move on to the next set of projects versus just working on everything and, and you can end up doing a, have a lot of success, but they don't have much outcome. And that ends up being a waste of time for all the change management. Yeah. I, you're making me think of all the different mid-sized businesses, small to you know, mid-sized that 
have one project manager. And like, well, we got a project manager. And but they have a massive amount of projects. And there is a lot in that. And I think uh, the reason why I answered the question, that question, the way that I did is I was thinking about being at a firm and how generally like you will get one account, maybe two, right. As a project manager, but yeah, there's a lot that actually do that. And then they're drinking from the hose and they can't keep up. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. What's a clear indicator that it's time to take a step back and get focused on strategy. Well, one of the key things is just if you're measuring and if you feel like you're running in place and not moving forward, if your bottom line isn't improving, even though you're growing, I think those are some important indicators. You know, it's interesting. Most people I'm with enjoy growth. I don't know about you, Amy, but it's more fun to be growing, right? It's more fun to be hiring. It's more fun to be adding clients and more fun to be making a difference. It's more fun to do those things. But sometimes people grow just to grow and they're not actually adding any incremental value. They're not bringing home any more money. They're not um, raising people's paychecks. You know, they're actually taking out a bunch of loans to actually get it all done. That's not being strategic, right? That's just financing growth. A lot of the companies I mentioned I was with that grew 3X, we did it all from bootstrapped. You know, I've always enjoyed and it's fun. I've been on both sides. I've been with companies who are venture capital backed. I've been with private equity companies. I've been with companies who are IPO um, and I've been with private bootstrap companies. And I've always found it's very rewarding when you can grow without taking other people's money. And you actually, that's truly adding incremental value. And, And then you get in a way where you're actually increasing profits, increasing profit share, you know, to the employees that are around that's when you know it's going well, but the indicator, once again, when it's not going well, is you're growing or you're not growing. And then your bottom lines or your margins are decreasing. I think those are critical things that are taking place. Like, I mean, a little small example here is like, there are companies that forget about supply chain and all the issues that have been happening now with price increases or your container stuck in Long Beach right now. You're not going to get a Christmas present or whatever it is that's going on right. you know, for people out there right now. You know, the problem is often is like companies won't raise their prices ever. There's like this belief that you can't raise your prices. And it's like, well, first of all, especially today is the biggest excuse in the whole wide world to like raise your prices, but they won't, but our costs are increasing. Yeah. And we have to have the confidence that we really believe we're delivering value. We should be able to increase the price or at least add more services to increase the price. Right. So the customer feels like they're getting something out of it. It doesn't happen. I've been with companies that have been, you know, 20, 30 year old companies like, oh, when was the last time you raised your prices? It was like five years ago. I'm like, this bananas. And they had a 20% increase in price of steel or whatever it is, you know, whatever yeah. they make, whatever they deliver, you know, obviously labor got up at a price. So that's when I get concerned about companies is when they think they're doing better, but I, I'm a financial guy background by trade. Mm-hmm. And so I do look at the numbers and I'm like, this doesn't make sense. You know, you're showing and saying you're doing these great things, but you haven't, your digital marketing. It's like, if you're spending all this money just to get likes, is that really adding you value? Yeah, no. Big waste, big exactly. waste. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, those are vanity metrics, right? Yeah. You know, people get caught up in vanity metrics and it's like, that's not what it's about. It's about adding real value. And yes. that's just showing the bottom line. Definitely. Can you share some of the different programs that you offer? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a couple core things is what we do is number one is I am by definition a consultant. What that means is we will help an organization design their strategic plan, 
Mm-hmm. If you kind of look with those who are looking behind me, we help them design a strategic plan, which means we figure out what their goals should be. And we, yes, we like to have stretch goals, by the way. Uh, we create a plan, which is how they get it done. We f- trim it. We focus on the most important priorities. We actually set up a way so they can track it. We actually start them on time. Like, you know, 80% of other companies don't do. We start them. So with them, the process, we help them identify their key performance indicators And then we help them navigate their obstacles to make sure it gets done. We're a strategy and execution consulting firm. And along the way, we're coaching the CEO and the executive team on adjusting their people process and systems to help make sure they can get it done. That's our core offering is helping people through that entire process. You know, I like to say is, you know, give us 40 hours and and we're going to have extraordinary results. I mean, we have with organizations where we've doubled their profits in a seven-figure part with in, in year over year improvement where they've had that. And we've had other companies where their backlog has increased 10X or sales backlog. We've had some really fun, extraordinary improvements. And a lot of times I get hired by private equity firms. They're bringing in to help turn around companies. And so it's fun. It's fun to be a part of that and help them see the reward of a company that's been five, six years languishing. And all of a sudden, next thing we know, We've got everything firing in all cylinders, but it's because we focus on the things that it's, you know how this is, Amy. I mean, it's, I even say this, it's hard to see ourselves what we're really doing wrong. And so this is the value from somebody outside to help them reflect upon what they know they should be doing, but they're not. Yeah. And sometimes they just need that coach for lack of a better term, right? To say, yeah, you know you've been doing the same thing for four years and it isn't working. <laughs> and, and it's amazing <laughs> right. when somebody else tells it to them, they're like, oh, you're right. And I've been thinking about this project. Well, let's talk about that. Right. And let's actually try to get it done as opposed to it just being words. That's how people work with us. Those are our offerings. And we love to help out people who have questions and really want to change who they are and what they're doing. Perfect. Can you also share some of your client success stories with us? We have this incredible success of helping people grow of where they want to go. What we like to say is we're going to help them get to their next destination. And and that can mean so many different things. For some, it's they want to get to a new market. We help them design a strategic plan to get to their new market of where they're going to go towards. Uh, There was one client that they were measuring their success based on, they were trying to improve how long it takes to deliver to their client, their process. And so... For, let's say in this case, it was taking them 150 hours to deliver where well, they were focused on one individual thing to like fix what they're doing. I said, no, 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 the waste, it only takes you 24 hours to do this process, which is called the process time. Uh, the cycle time was taking 140 hours, 150 hours. Their actual process time was only 24 hours. The value was not fixing those 24 hours. It was actually eliminating the waste in between. And so what we've been able to do is consistently get their delivery down to 40 hours per period. Basically, you know, from 150 hours down to 40 hours, they're delivering that much faster. You think about that. If you can deliver your things three times faster with the same fixed cost, you know, that does the bottom line. Yeah. I mean, you make way more money, right? If you're doing that type of stuff. So we do that type of work. We have those type of success stories. Uh, and it's, as I said, it's, it's fun. It's fun to work with companies. I mean, a lot of times I'm working with existing companies have been around, as I said, five, 10, 20, 30 years. It's, it's like, I sometimes joke around. It's like a 30 year old startup. It's getting a company who's been around a long time and getting them have these incredible success. And it gets the whole company excited again about where they're going. I love that. I have one last question for you that I love to ask everybody. 
that's, if you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? You know, I was really fortunate at a young age when I didn't do much reading when I was younger, like meaning younger, younger, meaning like growing up uh, in high school, et cetera. And even in college, I didn't read a whole lot, but while I was there, there was a gentleman who gave me this, this is dating myself a bit, gave me this cassette deck, 16 set cassette deck of Zig Ziglar. Oh yeah. Okay. I don't remember Zig Ziglar is, but Zig Ziglar, he's passed away now. His son, Tom Ziglar is carrying on the legacy of what Zig Ziglar did, but what they, Zig Ziglar, for those who know, is, is just an incredible mentor and rational, but he had this great comment. And he said, if you want to be a great leader, you have to be a great reader. Yeah. And that's the one thing I like to share. That's why I have a bunch of books behind me. Uh, you know, the more you can read and consume information, it helps give you the innovative ideas and confidence because the reality is this is most things have already been learned and taught. Mm-hmm. It's just learning how to apply it for yourself and give you the confidence that you could do it. That's the advice I'd give myself again is read more, more voraciously at an early age. So you can actually make a great difference down the road. And so being, to be a great leader, you have to be a great reader. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. I agree too. I wish that I would have branched out a little bit more when I was younger, you know, cause I would always stay to the, the types of books that I loved. And when I started to branch out, it was amazing. The things that I learned, right. Yeah. That's right. So perfect. And if there are people that are wanting to connect with you, possibly interested in your services, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah. So they can go to 40 strategy.com. They can actually send us an email at catch, like catching a ball at 40 strategy.com. You could also find us on LinkedIn. You could go to my specific webpage at Carl J LinkedIn at it's Carl J Cox. And we're also on Twitter at 40 strategy, YouTube, you could find us. And then also, if you just look up the measure success podcast, I have podcasts as well. Feel welcome to go into, we similar to what Amy's doing. We talk to CEOs, leaders doing inspirational, a lot of authors and ask them how do they measure success in their business and in their personal life. Love that. So I'll put all those links down below. Carl, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise today. Thank you. appreciate it. And it's been a pleasure being on. Definitely. And if you're listening, you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone and have a wonderful week.